Good morning, you may be seated. Do you ever wonder why certain stories get recorded in the Gospels and others do not? Now some of these stories, it's pretty obvious that they would be included. The Gospel writers, of course, included Jesus' baptism when he fed 5,000 people, and of course, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. But other stories, other details, seem so minor, it can make us wonder why they were included. For example, when Jesus cursed the fig tree because it wasn't bearing figs, or when John and Peter raced to the tomb, and it's mentioned several times that John was the one who got there first, even though Peter entered the tomb first. It's like, we get it, John. You, you beat Peter in the foot race. And I have to wonder what Martha would have thought about having her argument with her sister recorded for everyone to read about for all time. But there it is in the 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel, and today we're going to look at that very passage. Because there is a reason why all of these things have been written down. As Paul writes in his second letter to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so with that in mind, let's turn to the story of Martha and Mary that begins in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Now, I imagine most of us are familiar with this story. Jesus comes to Martha and Mary's home, probably with some of his disciples. Mary, who is almost certainly the younger of the two sisters, sits at Jesus's feet while Martha is distracted by her many tasks, such as preparing the meal and getting everything ready for the guests. Martha, frustrated that she's working alone, tells Jesus to command Mary to help her. But Jesus refuses. Instead, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, before we continue, I want us to just kind of check in with ourselves and our initial reactions to this story. Some of us, we naturally identify with Martha. She is a woman of action. She gets things done efficiently. She is hosting Jesus, and she wants everything to be just right. And she's doing all of this by herself. We see this all the time in families, in workplaces, in group projects. There's one person who makes things happen, and it's not an easy task. And so for those of us who identify with Martha, we may feel defensive on her behalf or even on our own behalf. Well, I have good news 
for all the Marthas out there. Martha is not being condemned by Jesus. He does not criticize Martha for her personality, for her skill set, or her desire to serve. There is nothing inherently wrong with being a Martha. Jesus speaks from a place of love and compassion because he loves her and he values her. We will come back to this. But what about those of us that identify with Mary? If Martha is a type A personality, Mary is a type B. Mary is open and relational. She expresses her feelings. She's led by her heart. And so when Jesus comes to her home, he captivates her attention so fully that everything else disappears. She sits right down at his feet, even though it means she's breaking gender norms and social taboos. In this moment, Mary is nothing less and nothing more than a disciple of Jesus, because this is what disciples do. They sit at the feet of their rabbi and listen to them. Was Mary getting away with something? Was she shirking her duties? Should, be, should she be ashamed that she is a woman sitting among the men while her sister continues to work? Friends, there's good news for the Marys among us. Jesus loves Mary and he defends her and her actions. He will not turn her away or send her back to the kitchen, but accepts her for the disciple that she is. But let's return to Martha since much of the story is more focused on her. So the first thing we need to understand about Martha is that she is a good friend to Jesus. Luke 10:38 reads, now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. We don't know whether this is the first time Jesus encountered Martha, but we do know that she welcomes him in, which is no small act of kindness, since she will be feeding him as well as some of his disciples and perhaps providing them a place to sleep as well. Jesus and his disciples depend on the kindness of others when they travel. And being that Martha's home was in Bethany, just three kilometers outside of Jerusalem, it was a perfect location. The Gospels indicate that when Jesus and his disciples um, would go to Jerusalem, they would stay in Bethany. So this means that they would either stay at Martha's home or they would stay close enough that she could help them with their meals. Martha was just the kind of friend you wanted if you had to travel to Jerusalem for the feasts. She had the gift of hospitality and was quick to serve others. Martha would feed you, give you a chance to wash up, and maybe even put you up for the night. We know that Jesus becomes very good friends with Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus 
John's gospel tells us he loved each of them. And so how is it that this hospitable woman who served Jesus and others came into conflict with Jesus and her sister? Luke writes that while Mary was listening to what Jesus was saying, Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Now, interesting, the word here for tasks is closely related to the word used for servant or deacon. That points to the fact that Martha's tasks were acts of service, something you would expect a servant or even a deacon in God's church to do. They were good things that she was doing. After all, Jesus told his disciples that the Son of Man came as a servant and that they should do likewise. But somehow, her service was distracting her to the point that she went to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Martha sounds just as frustrated with Jesus as she is with her sister. Does Jesus not notice how hard she's working? How can he allow Mary to sit at his feet when there's so much work to be done? Then Martha said, tell her then to help me. In these words, we see that Martha the servant or Martha the deacon sounds more like Martha the resentful. In this moment, Martha is not a joyful servant of the Lord, but a tired one, a jealous one, and an angry one. What is going on here? Listen again to Martha's words. Lord, do you not care? Do you hear the hurt, the insecurity, the fear behind the question? Does Jesus care for her, really? Does God love her? Does Martha believe that she has to perform, produce, and do everything right in order to be loved and accepted by God. That would certainly explain her drive to get everything done, but it's that very drive that gets in the way of her capacity to spend time with Jesus. What do you think? Do you think this is something only Martha struggled with? Or could it be something more common? Are there followers of Jesus today who work hard for the Lord out of fear and a desire to earn his love rather than from a place of joy and security, knowing that they are sons and daughters of God? In my experience, many Christians, including pastors, are inclined to do things for Jesus rather than to intentionally spend time with Jesus. 
But that is not what the Lord is calling any of us to do. Whatever he has gifted us with, our first call is always to him, to abide in him, to be in ongoing relationship with him. This is good news for Martha and for all the Marthas. I imagine Jesus putting his arm around Martha's shoulders as he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled by many things. There is need of only one thing. Jesus is inviting Martha to set aside her to-do list. And as someone who loves to make lists, I understand how difficult that is. But Jesus of Nazareth is in her living room. She can take a breather and focus on him. It's okay if the meal isn't fancy or perfect. It's okay if there's some dirt on the floor. None of that is going to make the Lord love her any less. In fact, he would rather have Martha join Mary and himself for a while, even if it means the dinner is late, the dinner is burnt, or there's no dinner at all. Here is how Kenneth Bailey, a professor of Middle Eastern New Testament studies, summarizes what Jesus is saying to Martha in his book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I understand the entire list. One thing is needed. What is missing is not one more plate of food, but rather for you to understand that I am providing the meal and that your sister has already chosen the good portion. I will not allow you to take it from her. A good student is more important to me than a good meal. This is not a condemnation of Martha. This is freedom for her. Martha thought she was the host of this meal, but Jesus is showing her that he has brought the food, the food that does not perish, the word of God. Martha can lay down her worries because Jesus has things under control, as Becca was telling us earlier. That doesn't mean that there isn't a place for Martha to serve or to use her gifts of hospitality. After all, God created her that way so she could use those gifts. But Martha need not be troubled or worried not about the meal, and not about what Mary is or isn't doing. Because ultimately, Martha's acceptability to God will never be found in what she does, but in what Jesus will do on her behalf. Jesus's perfect life, sacrifice for Martha and for all the world, 
will impart righteousness to her and to all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. That means her place in the kingdom is secure. She need only believe. And we can see in the scriptures that Martha does in fact come to believe. When Jesus comes to Bethany following Lazarus's death, Martha will say to Jesus in the 11th chapter of John's gospel, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask him. Jesus will tell Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha will answer, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Spoken like a true disciple. Martha goes from a woman consumed with worry about the details of hosting Jesus to someone who confesses faith in Jesus, even after being very disappointed that Jesus did not come quickly enough to prevent her brother from dying. And then, of course, Jesus does something even more miraculous. He raises Lazarus from the dead four days after he has been laid in the tomb. The faith of Martha, of Mary, of Lazarus is overflowing at this point. Sometime afterwards, Jesus is again in Bethany and Martha is serving. She's serving at a dinner party for Jesus. Lazarus is reclining at the table with Jesus, and Mary is about to anoint Jesus with very expensive perfume. And at this party, there is no protest from Martha. She is serving Jesus, but this time out of a servant's heart full of joy and gratitude and love. Meanwhile, Mary, as unconventional as ever, demonstrates her love for Jesus by pouring the expensive perfume on his feet and washing his feet with her hair. Despite Mary's shocking behavior, Martha says nothing. And when Judas objects to Mary's actions, Jesus defends Mary and what she's doing. Living in the light of Christ's love and power, Mary is free to be Mary, and Martha is free to be Martha, and Lazarus is free to be Lazarus. Each one serving Jesus and the kingdom of God as they are called to do so. This is good news for them and for us. Let us put our faith in Jesus Christ, who has given us the privilege to be called sons and daughters of God, 
secure in the Father's love, able to serve and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen.